Happy Tuesday, friends. Welcome back to Candidly Speaking. I am so glad you were here for this interview episode. I hope things are going well where you are. I hope you are off to a really great week. Spring is here in Kansas City and the lawns are being mowed and the flowers are blooming and it is so beautiful. I cannot wait for summer. I just, I cannot. I feel like that last year we kind of got gypped out of summer a little bit because of COVID and there was a summer, but it was like only half of a summer. It was like you couldn't do all the summer things you love, you know, concerts or camping or being outdoors and being around people and being drinking at, uh, you know, patios and things like that. Granted, there was some of that around summertime being outside and whatnot, but there's so much that I'm excited to do this summer because it was just not really summer last year. And the joy surrounds me, you guys. It really does. It just makes me so excited for what's to come. And I hope that wherever you are, you have some of that same joy and you're excited about what's to come because things are a change in for the better. And I'm excited to get back to life. This weekend, I had my very first time volunteering for walking dogs at one of the animal shelters I volunteer at. I have volunteered with them for a number of things, you know, their feral fix program and things like that, but I had never volunteered on a Sunday for what they call the pack walks. They do pack walks every Sunday and the Humane Society is closed on Sunday, but they have a group of volunteers that come in and we just walk the dogs so that they can get some exercise and get fresh faces in there and just uh, socialize them, get them out, get them some exercise. I had been meaning to do it, but I just never did. You know, I really like to chill on Sundays and I kind of put it off for that reason. But I went this past weekend and it was amazing. You guys, I walked three incredible dogs and we kind of just go in a group and it is, it was so fun. Everyone was so inviting and welcoming and I'm so glad I did it. It's one of those things where I'm like annoyed that I waited so long to do it. And so I want this to just be a lesson for anyone out there who has been like thinking about doing something, but you've been putting it off for whatever reason, you know, it's like, oh, I've been thinking about, I don't know, donating blood, or I've been thinking about uh, reading books at the library to, to children, or I've been thinking about XYZ, like, but you just keep putting it off for whatever reason, like whatever that is for you, like this is your push. This is me telling you it's totally worth it. And whatever reason you've been putting it off, be it laziness or be it just unsure of yourself or nervous about the experience, like just go do it because my heart was so full and I can't wait to go back again on Sunday. And it's just, it's what the whole, it's what all the warm and fuzzies are made of, you guys. It's like giving back and doing things for other, uh, you know, causes that are near and dear to your heart. So I just want that to be your sign if you've been waiting to try something new or to put yourself out there or just give back in some way. This is your sign, people. Go ahead and do it. Just do it. Your heart's going to grow five times in size. Just, I was like the Grinch. My heart just grew so much. All those personal updates out of the way. Let's get into me telling you about today's guest. Today joining me on the show is Diane Bowden. Diane is the host of the very popular Minimalist Moms podcast, and most recently she has become the author of a book called The Minimalist Moms. We talk about it some on the show, but I actually met, quote unquote, met Diane years ago when we both discovered one another's blogs. Uh, I had a blog back in 2011 when blogging was very, very, very different. It was more like a journal type thing. I mean, blogging now is 
it's it's just changed so much. I can't even, uh, you know, comprehend, you know, compared to what it was to what it is now. But I just, uh, you know, started a blog in 2011 as a way to, I don't know, journal my thoughts and do uh, stuff like that creative stuff. I always enjoyed writing and enjoyed community. And so I met her through her blog. We would read each other's blogs and I got to know her through that way. And I've really seen her career evolve and, uh, you know, kind of turn into what it is now. And it is so great to be able to chat with her about how it has evolved because you can hear it in her voice when she tells us about it. She kind of just followed her curiosities and did what felt right. She talks about the fact that she'd always been a curious child and always wanted to do a lot of things. And she's been able to do a lot of those things, which is really great. And it's it's just so awesome to see what it's turned into. And all the success she's getting is so deserved. She's doing an incredible job with her podcast and now with her book, which is so, so cool. Another thing I really love and admire about Diane is that she is a minimalist and her podcast is called The Minimalist Moms, of course, but you don't have to be a mom or a minimalist to get things from her podcast. In fact, I am I don't consider myself either of those things. I do not have human children. I have fur children, but I don't have human children and I don't consider myself a minimalist, but I do consider myself someone who wants to like have things with purpose. You know, I have things in my life uh, and I want them all to have purpose. I definitely went through my share of a time as she talks about in the episode where I had tons and tons of clothes and I was very materialistic and very much buying all the things and a sucker for marketing and wanting all the new latest you know things whether it was clothes or gadgets or whatever it was and I definitely had a similar moment that she talks about where I was just kind of like I don't want to spend all this money you know that on something that I in six months is, is not going to be in anymore and I'm not going to give you know and I'm not going to give two cares about it anymore but I spent my hard-earned money on it you know before because I had to have it and so I had a similar moment and I still wouldn't consider myself a minimalist, but I love being organized. I love having things, you know, that I'm going to use. I don't like just having random things around to be surrounded by stuff. And my husband's very much the same way, more so than me even. He hates excess stuff just sitting around. So I don't consider myself a minimalist or a mom, but I still, you know, pop into her episodes on her podcast and I get so much from a lot of them. So I love that about her. And it's just proof that you can create content in a niche or, or, you know, really hone in on a certain audience, but still really attract people from other audiences as well. So I love that she's been able to do that. I'm going to stop blabbing and let her tell the story because it is so fun to hear her talk about it. And it was fun to chat with her. Again, I've known her for over 10 years now and we've never quote met in person, uh, but we've just known each other online for so long. And I say in this episode that I remember when she was pregnant with her first child, Charlotte, and now Charlotte is like seven years old, which is crazy. But I remember when she first like posted on Instagram and in her blog that she was pregnant and it was just it's just so crazy she has three kids now total and it's been fun to watch them grow up and watch again as I said her life just evolve into something so beautiful so without further ado please enjoy my conversation with Diane Bowden Di welcome to the show how's it going I'm doing well. How are you? I'm excited about the sunshine in Ohio today, which it sounds like it's like that there too. Yeah, it is. It's beautiful. What's like, tell me the temp. Um, well, in my car, (laughs) it's feeling pretty hot. So I'm saying it's probably like 70 in here, but outside it's probably 55. So sure. Now tell us why you're in your car. It was funny when you came on, I was like, is this your studio? And you said, yes. Yeah. Yeah, this is my studio. So I was showing you, I flipped my camera around earlier and I was just showing you my house is maybe five feet, 
five feet in front of me. But yeah, I have three kids. And so to, the boys are um, in nap time right now. And Charlotte, my oldest, is just coloring and playing in her room. And this is just the only quiet space that I can usually get because, it, yeah, it just, if she's singing or doing her thing, it just makes sense to be in here. So yeah. that's why I'm in my car. I often record for the podcast in my car. So yeah. I love that. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. It's either here or the closet. I, <laughs> I record the closet a lot too. So all right. Well, Maybe let's. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's start out where we always start out at the beginning. Tell me what you were like as a child and where you grew up. Oh, wow. Okay. What was I like as a child? Well, let me start with the easier one. I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm still here. I just live in a little suburb, um, not far from downtown. And as a child, I wouldn't say that I'm that different now than I was as a child. I'd always say that I was super talkative, really wanted people's attention. (laughs) So um, it makes sense that I have this little job where I talk for a living, if you will. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I was always really creative. I was never sporty, even though I'm almost six feet tall. So I think that people automatically assumed, oh, you're a tall girl. So therefore you are athletic. And I couldn't be, I like to run now and then, but I would never associate myself with athleticism. Is that how we say it? So yeah, I would always say that I veered more towards art and creativity. And I think that's kind of what I've continued in my adult life with just like singing or now writing or the podcast or just really anything. I used to like to scrapbook. I was like a high school student scrapbooking with my mom at Cord Camera. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but yeah, I I think that, I hope that gives you like a little bit of insight who I was. Yeah. Yeah. Always been creative. And you know how I met you is online via your blog, like years ago. I mean, you were like one of the first blogs that I met. So you, and I mean, I had the same thing, like my blog was like a creative outlet. So what made you start your blog? Was it just the creativity aspect of it? Yeah. I mean, that was when blogs, I guess they'd been around for a little bit at that point. So that was what, maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. 2011, I think I started my blog. So it was, I always tell people, I'm like, I had a blog like before blogging was like, cool. Like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So like going back to high school, I had the Zanga and I had MySpace and I did like the, I guess MySpace wasn't so much a writing forum, but Zanga was, if you're familiar with that. And I just really liked to journal about what I was doing and whoever could read it, whoever wanted to read it was more than welcome to. And so after I got married about 10 years ago, I guess that I saw other creatives starting that type of thing. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to share recipes. I was also really into like health at the time. So I was like, I'm going to put recipes on here and I'm starting to get into photography. So I'm going to share my photos of my weekends and what I'm doing. So it wasn't really, I wouldn't say it was a lifestyle blog. It was more so just like the things that I like to do. And sometimes I put a question at the end. So (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't say it ever took off, but it was really fun. I feel like you and I have a handful of others that I still talk to, to this day from that early blogging season. So it was worthwhile for sure. 
Yeah. I remember. It's so funny you say that because I remember like when you were first pregnant with Charlotte and she just jumped in the car before to grab something and she's like a full grown, like teenager, practically. I'm, I'm exaggerating, yeah. but. <laughs> no, yeah. She is um, almost seven, but yeah, I liked, I documented my pregnancy on there. Um, I don't even know. I didn't renew it this year because it was lifeofdie.com. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, maybe people will find it because it's one letter off from life of pie, that book. <laughs> so I'm like, if people have a typo they'll find me so um so yeah I just I it kind of faded away when the podcast became a thing in my life but I still I still somewhat miss that writing element of it I maybe Mm -hmm. I could shift that more to Instagram at some point but um yeah I loved I loved the blogging days it was definitely a fun fun thing to do and in a lot of ways, I mean, we'll talk about it more as we go on, but you are an author now. So, I mean, you still have that writing, you know, kind of habit. And it sounds like you said you like to journal a lot too. So like, did you picture yourself being a writer? Like when you were younger, what did you like picture yourself being when you grew up? Yeah. I mean, I feel like there were so many things that I wanted to do. At one point I was contacting an Air Force recruiter because I was like, I'm going to join the Air Force. So I have had so many ideas. I think that 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 definitely encapsulates, encapsulates, whatever the word is, that describes my personality is that I'm always looking for something new. I definitely would say I'm not necessarily a free spirit, but I'm always like looking what's new, what can I do? And so I wouldn't say I had like one idea of what I wanted to pinpoint because it always was morphing. I wanted to be a teacher, which that's what my degree is in. Um, not using that, but, um, I also just wanted to be a mom, which that is kind of what I'm doing now. I wanted to go to marketing. I wanted to live in New York city. I wanted to, yeah, there were just so many things that I felt like I wanted to do throughout my late teenage years. But, um, with writing, I am an English major. And so I knew at some point I wanted just to have that as a bucket list goal. I had a blog at one point, like dianesbucketlist.com or it was something silly like that. And I had a hundred items. And then whenever I'd cross one of the items off, that was the blog post. And so that was more so for myself, but I know that write a book was on there. It just didn't, I hadn't, I didn't seek this out. This kind of more fell into my lap with the podcast, but I'm happy that it happened. It just wasn't necessarily something that I knew how to obtain. Yeah. Where did you go to college? Ohio State. Oh, you didn't say the Ohio State, Di. I know. I'm not (laughs) a a Buckeye fan. Like I said, I am not athletic. My husband loves the Buckeyes. Not a Buckeye fan. I've been to like a couple of the games, but um, yeah, I went to the Ohio State University and yeah, my degree was in English pre-education. So my intent was to teach high school like my husband, but I actually was able to student teach for him. And I was after the experience, I was like, yeah, I never, ever want to do this. This is so overwhelming. I just knew we were planning on having children at some point. And I felt like if I'm going to be having kids, I will never be able to come into this classroom and be sane. (laughs) Not to say that you can't be. I just knew that my, and I wanted my influence to be in my home. And I knew that I wanted like the majority of my attention to be Mm -hmm. home and that I couldn't give my all to the classroom, which I think is so important to be able to give so much of yourself to your students. So, yeah. So I'm just a stay at home mom that, creatively started a podcast that happened to take off. So I think a lot of luck has 
come into play, but also intentionality behind it too. I guess I shouldn't discredit myself, but definitely not. Tell us some about the podcast and we'll dive in more about what you said about how it just happened to take off. But first tell us about the podcast. Yeah. So gosh, I would say that it was almost five years ago that I met with a girl that I knew from church and she had a blog as well. And I was reading her blog and it said for her June goal, she wanted to start a podcast and it was something that I had been kicking around too. So I messaged her and I was like, why don't we grab drinks? I want to do this too. Let's, let's figure out what we could do together and get this thing going. So we both discovered that we had this passion for living simply and minimalism. And it was funny because at the time I was living in about a 900, 950 square foot duplex, like side of the duplex. And she was living in a like over 4,000 square foot home. But we both had this intent to pursue a life with less or minimalism. And I just thought like, what a unique idea that we're both coming from such different perspectives, but we can have this dialogue. And that's kind of why we came up with the idea that minimalism doesn't look the same for everyone. And we just thought it was a fun idea and we'd have good banter. And at, the, at that point in time, she was more of the serious like leader of the podcast. And I was kind of more of the humor element of the podcast. And then a few years into it, she had just, I think it was maybe in 2000. Gosh, I'm, I can't believe I've been doing it this long by myself. Yeah. I'd say it was about three years ago that she had to step away because she took a different job and I took it over on my own. And yeah, it's kind of just, like I said, it, I think that we got in just at the sweet spot of when podcasts were really starting to take off, but also we had an idea, um, again, call it luck, call it us just being us, but I feel like the idea and the, like the ability to utilize this new space allowed us to kind of have success, I guess. Yeah. You've definitely found your place in kind of the niche market too. And I mean, it's, it does so well. I see all the downloads in your Instagram and you've really built a community. And how does that feel to know that you've like found your people? Yeah, I think that it's still really shocking and it doesn't (laughs) seem, I don't know. (laughs) I think that I'll just talk to people and I, I hope that this doesn't come across as bragging. I do not mean this in any way, but someone will be like, oh, the minimalist mom, or they'll be like, I can't believe I'm talking to you. And I, I, I don't feel that way at all. I think it's really silly. Um, but also like, that is kind of cool that that's, this is a perception, I guess. But I would say that <laughs> kind of going back to that personality question that you asked me, I feel like maybe one of my bad habits is that it's kind of never enough for me. Like I'm like, okay, I met this goal. What's next goal. And so again, I think there was probably something negative about my personality with that aspect, but I usually don't get too excited about things that happen or I'm just like looking for the next thing because I think if I meet a goal, it's like, okay, that's final. You're done. And I don't like that finality. So I don't know. I don't really know where I'm going with all that, but it is still really crazy that the podcast has taken off and uh, I don't feel like the minimalist mom. There have, there are others that are doing much more than I am. So, but it's, it's nice. It's nice to have that title. I guess. Um, 
what made you want to dip your toes into minimalism? I love that you said, uh, you know, when you're talking about the show that minimalism looks different for every person. And I couldn't agree with that more. So what made you want to dip your toes in that? What was like your first, have you listened to the minimalist podcast, by the way, were those guys your um, inspiration? I have seen their first documentary. I've listened to one of their podcasts here and there, but I would say with them, it just seemed not attainable for me. Yeah, they had some great insight for sure. I'm not throwing them under the bus, but I was wanting a life with less a minimalist lifestyle to be obtainable for people with kids. I have three kids now. I don't necessarily think we're going to have any more, but I'm like, if we even bring any more kids in our self, this home, like we're probably going to have a few more things than we would have if we were just Marty and I. Yeah. So, um, love the work they're doing. I just would say that it has, it didn't seem fully attainable to me and my lifestyle at the time. Yeah. So how did you, you found your own version of it and how did you kind of dip your toes into it? Is there another minimalist uh, book or podcast or just another minimalist person, personality that inspired you to get started with it? Yeah. So I wouldn't say that I, I never sought out minimalism when we first started becoming minimalist. I don't think we even realized at the time, my husband and I, that we were minimalist. I just, I would say that it was more frugality at that point in time, because when we first were married, I was still at Ohio State in college. And so we got married really young and we didn't have a ton of money. And so we had to be really intentional with our money. And it's funny, I actually like became a vegetarian for a few years when we were first met, married, because we just really didn't have the money to spend even on me. I just couldn't justify it when there were other things that we were wanting. Anyways, um, the moment that I can pinpoint my minimalist aha moment to was a moment where we were searching for something in my parents' basement and we were down there together, my husband and I, and he, I mean, I'm paraphrasing. He looked around and he said, look at these things that are now in boxes that were your dad's once earned hard-earned work hours. So all of these things are in boxes. My dad had to work so many hours for these things that are now being stored away. And for some reason, I just was like, I don't want that. Like, I don't want that moving forward. And it's funny because at the time, I felt like I was definitely a material materialistic individual. And I felt like I constantly wanted new clothes. I wanted all the new shiny things. Like I was definitely a sucker for good marketing. Um, I would just waste money. And so I felt like that moment was a turning point to say like, okay, let's spend our money on experiences over things. Mm -hmm. And then let's buy quality over quantity. So instead of buying several different couches throughout our life, let's save out save up for one that is a little bit nicer that'll last us a little bit longer. And so it's things like that, that we just became more intentional about in the beginning. And then I found authors like Erin Lochner. She wrote a book called Chasing Slow, which is just beautifully written. And it was more about the slowing down, I guess, of your lifestyle and just noticing and mindfulness. And so I would say she had a huge impact on me. Um, Joshua Becker, he wrote a book. um, This was like I think five years ago that I read this around the time we were starting the podcast, but yeah, he's a a wonderful author as well, but I wouldn't say there was one that I can pinpoint into that beginning stage. I just think we started being really frugal. Yeah. 
How do you balance that with children? And I just think of like Christmas time, the presents, but then I also think of like, I've never been into someone's home who has multiple children and there's not like stacks of toys there. And how do you kind of balance making sure your kids are stimulated, but not giving into like every new toy that they impulsively think that they need or want? Yeah. So Just a few tips to the day-to-day. I don't know how many of your listeners are parents, but in the day-to-day, say we're at Target, for example, if we're at Target and of course there's the toy aisle there, or even just, I feel like there's toys everywhere throughout Target these days. If my kids see something they want, I'm like, oh, let's take a picture of it and we'll add it to your wish list. So they're like, for because I've been doing that for so long with them, I don't have any type of meltdown in the store. It's actually quite surprising. I don't, it might be a little bit harder to implement that if you have older kids, but I think the more that you do it, the easier it gets. So that's like one thing that when I'm out with them, we have this wish list that's running and then I'll kind of cultivate that for the the holidays or birthdays, the day-to-day, I would say this for anyone, even without kids, you're constantly going to need to assess what is in your household. It's not going to be a place that you ever really land because again, we're human beings and we do start to accumulate things. Even myself, I'm like, whoa, I can't believe we had this much after we moved. I thought we were minimalist. And so I was having to go through and with schoolwork, you're constantly having to go through. And so you mentioned the holidays with the holidays. I just am really intentional about what I ask for. And so I do have those cultivated lists, but also I think that my family members have seen us living this lifestyle for so long at this point that they, they just know I'll return things or they know that I'll sell things. And again, there can be a learning curve there because you never want to be ungrateful, but with someone that has maybe the love language of giving gifts. Like you don't want to offend them, but at the same time, the moment of that initial gift giving is actually what they're seeking. Like what fulfills that desire. And I would say like, if you give, give a list and they don't stick to that list and they still give you things that you don't want, like graciously accept, and then either donate, uh, resell or take back. And I've never had it really happen to me where I have one individual in particular that I'm thinking of that she's asked like, Hey, where's this thing? And I either just like, I'm like, I don't know. Or I'm like, Hey, like, I don't know. I usually just kind of try to avoid that. But again, that's more on them at that point. I know maybe that sounds heartless, but I think that my, I just think family members know kind of the lifestyle that we're leading now. And again, it's never, it's never because we're ungrateful. It's just because clutter is anxiety causing. And I know anxiety is a word that's tossed around a lot these days. So I don't necessarily mean that it's debilitating, but I think that decision fatigue is real. And if you're trying to get ready and there are too many clothes, clothes options, it's usually, I would reconsider how many pieces of clothing are in your wardrobe because I can, I can just, tell you it is so much easier to get dressed now that I have fewer items because I know how many things look good on me in my closet everything I know that I've cultivated a closet that I love everything in there and it's just a matter of what the temperature is so sorry I totally bounced around all over the place I feel like I have so many little like tips and tricks that I'm like I wanted to hear them all so yeah no that's great I love that another thing that I really like love and respect about what you do and what it seems like you do with your parenting is like you really 
preach and like put, like put forth like your kids playing outside mm-hmm. and nature and like just on the playground and stuff, which I love that. And as someone who grew up, you know, in the nineties before technology really took off, that was what we, what we did, you know, like there was no, you know, eventually when I got older, I got a Nintendo like Game Boy or whatever. And that was like, whoa, that was like a big deal. But even that, like I had certain hours a day that I mm-hmm. couldn't, you know, that I had to stick to with that. But my parents, you know, we we went outside and we like played in the dirt. And I know that you are a big proponent of that with your children and how you raise them. Yeah, absolutely. And I I mean, I was the same way. I definitely had my video games. I used to be obsessed with a game called Banjo-Kazooie <laughs> on the Nintendo 64. But I mean, we definitely were encouraged and told to go outside. I spent the majority of my childhood, I feel like, outside. So I know that it is tougher these days with... Um, with the tablets and whatnot. I mean, I get it. I have, I love my iPhone, but yeah, I think that if you're looking for a temperament change in your kids too, like if someone is melting down, I've noticed that when we just go outside, it really does just kind of settle everyone. And I don't know. I really love the book. There's no such thing as bad weather by Linda McGurk. And I would highly recommend that book to anyone that is looking to find more comfortability, I guess, in being outside, because I think that you mentioned getting dirty or playing in the dirt. That was, especially with Charlotte, like I did not want her getting dirty. I just was, yeah, that's, that seemed horrible to me. And I'm like, I'm going to clean up this mess. But now I'm like, you know, they really do learn and explore that way. It's so great for their senses. And there was another book, goodness, what it's, what's it called? Let them eat dirt. I can't remember the name of the author, but that was another one that really made me understand your microbiome and how beneficial it is being in the dirt and being outside and being barefoot in your yard. And, um, I wouldn't say that I'm someone that's like woo woo or like overly like, I don't know what the word would be, but I just really do think that the connectivity to just being out in the sun or even in the rain or in the snow or in the dirt, like it's just so beneficial for your mood and honestly how you experience the world. So yeah, I I would say that slowing down, noticing being outside it, we do it almost every day. How do your kids react? Um, Have you ever had like problems or not problems, but has it ever come up that they have a friend or someone that they see with a lot of toys or a lot of X, Y, Z and they, uh, you know, in their child mind or like, why does, why does Billy have all these toys? And I have, you know, you say I can only have X, Y, Z toys. I'm just curious for people who are listening and want to adapt a more adopt a more minimalist approach when it comes to their children and toys. How do you explain that to them in a way that makes sense in, in their, their developing brain? Yeah. So I wouldn't say I've had to fully experience that yet because Charlotte, like I said, she's six right now, Martin's three, and then I have a 17 month old. So I wouldn't say that that's something that I'm regularly having to discuss. And I would also say a lot of the people that I hang out with are actually really intentional about keeping their toy rooms um, decluttered. And so all that to say, it is really hard to compare. And I understand that when I'm in someone's house and it has different elements that I might want It is hard not to compare. Um, That said, I think that you can with your older kids really just explain like, this is what we prioritize. Do you know how we go to the zoo or the trampoline park or open gym? That's where we're spending the money that mommy and daddy 
we're spending it on those types of things. And um, again, you can go back to that wish list that you are cultivating so that they are getting some of those things throughout the year that they really want. So I would say too, just a few friends that I can think of off the top of my head that we've gone to and they have different toys. It's just like everyone does have different toys. I think at this point in time, they're not really recognizing the number of toys and if they are, again, I think that kids are much more understanding and capable of, um, I don't know, they're just more capable than I think that we give them credit for. And if you can really help them see like what you're spending your money on or that like everyone has different toys or that, yeah, I, I think that that really makes a big difference. It's not going left unsaid, I guess. I think that you can get in this limbo where you're not saying anything at all. But I think I've just always tried to be really open and communicative with Charlotte and even Martin. Like yeah. they know, they have the concept that mommy and daddy go to work and do what we do to make money to have our house. Like they really do understand that to a point. So yeah, I don't know. I hope that answers your question. Yeah. It's something I haven't had to navigate personally yet. So I'm, I'm curious to see how it will go when we get to that point. It's funny. You talk about how capable children are and I'm not a parent yet, but my, I have a cousin who has really great kids. They have three kids and they are just polite, well-adjusted children. They are, they're just, they're really great kids and they, her and her spouse are great parents. And one of the things I noticed that she does is that she, even when they were younger, like she talks to them, like, adults like she answers their questions like if an adult were asking them that and you know kids have a lot of questions about you know I remember one time I showed up at their house and I was wearing like a strapless um, dress or whatever and she the little girl looked at her mom so cute but she was like mommy how does her dress stay up because I didn't have any straps and like things like that where questions sometimes can be awkward but like she answered the question like you know she didn't make her feel stupid or anything. And anytime these kids ask questions, like she answers the question, like the child is an adult. And it, I, it's just one of those things where I'm like, you have such great kids. And I've noticed that's one thing that you always do. It must be translating. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, my friend actually pointed that out. She doesn't have kids yet either. And she pointed that out when she was visiting around the holidays, just that we do try to talk to them. And again, like, it's all based on maturity level too. So I'm not going to share certain things if it's unnecessary, but yeah, I, I just feel like the whole point in my parenting journey is to raise up these kids that are eventually going to be adults in the world. And so, yeah, I'm going to talk to them in full sentences and to, I'm going to describe things. And if they don't understand something, usually they ask like, well, what does that mean? I know we just taught Charlotte the word thorough. And so she's been trying to use the word thorough because we're like, well, you, you can, you can do this. Yeah. Yeah. So that's incredible. Yeah. They're, they're so much smarter than we, I think, and they're listening all the time too. So living by example too, I think it would be really hard going back to your question. It just popped into my head if I were some type of hoarder or just had a ton of stuff, I think that as my kids got older, they'd be like, wait, why are you living that way? But I can't live that way. And then also give them the freedom in their own spaces, in their rooms to, um, have what they want in there. Um, again, if it becomes too cluttered, then maybe like have certain boxes and set those perimeters around what they're owning in those spaces. But I don't want to ever like take away their, authority over their things either. Um, it, it's just in communal spaces. We don't, this is 
communal. So we're not going to have a bunch of your things in this community space. So yeah, sorry. Those two things just popped in my head that I felt like would be beneficial to state. Those are great ideas. I would love to hear your advice for someone who is maybe just discovering minimalism and they have, they've realized they've gotten to this place like you and Marty did in their life where they're like, we have a lot of stuff and we probably don't need it. And it's probably, you know, costing us money, whether we're paying for a storage unit, gosh knows how much money people waste on storage units. I've read a statistic once it was insane or whether their house is just full of clothes and, and other things. So what's your advice to someone who's just starting and is maybe a little overwhelmed by the process? I have several different routes we could take this question, but I will say I just wrote a post on this the other day and I was thinking about it and one of the first things I would say is to start with the easy stuff because so often people are just like, okay, I'm going to start decluttering. And then they start with something like photographs or their kids' artwork or their kids' baby clothes, because that's kind of what they're storing. But I say, start with the easy stuff, grab a trash bag or a bin. If you're going to donate things and, um, go through your house. What's trash, pick up the trash and throw it away. Um, pick up the things that, you know, are not like actual trash to go in the trash can, but you're like, these are trash to me. So I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to give them to Goodwill. Um, that said, you also, as you're going around noticing, you're going to see the things that you can't live without. And so you don't have to even worry about those things. So then you can really start to hone in on the things that need to be dealt with. So that's one thing that I feel like people can start with, just get rid of the trash in your home. And then, um, the non-negotiables, you don't have to worry about that. So that's one thing. My second idea is to always start in the bathroom because typically we have fewer sentimental items in that space. And so I honestly recommend going through like on the countertops, pulling everything off, pulling pretty much everything off the walls, see what you can live without for 30 days and then bring things in slowly because I think in that space, we usually are starting our day and ending our day in the bathroom. And you don't want this over cluttered, dirty, like, yeah, you don't want that in those two times of day. I feel like you don't want to start your day in a cluttered space or end it. Sorry, that was redundant what I just said, (laughs) but also, um, yeah, I just feel like there's nothing sentimental in there. So take that as a win and then slowly build on that. As you get that momentum, you can start to tackle other spaces in your home. So yeah, I I don't recommend starting with sentimental um, items at at first. That's probably a bad idea. And then you're going to get discouraged and then you're not going to do it at all when it actually is so much easier. And honestly, you can also like start to attack your schedule and your mindset prior to even decluttering your house. Cause I really do think that if your mind isn't in the right space to be doing it, it's not going to happen in your household. You really do have to come to the conclusion of what you want for that space in your mind before you start the whole process. Yeah. I would love to quickly, I want to talk about your book, but quickly, I would love to get your take about the difference because I find this topic fascinating, the difference between organizing and like minimalism and getting rid of your things. Because when the home edit did their show on Netflix, which I binged and watched because I do love organizing, but I also had this thought where I was like, it's really different. Like, cause you can organize things, but still have like a lot of unnecessary stuff. So like, what's your opinion on the difference between like, I'm going to sit here and organize my things. And it's like, well, should we maybe go through and like, see if this stuff is even worth being organized? No, I mean, yeah. I mean, you said it yourself that we living with less 
is way different than organizing. I would say my mom's a very organized person. Her house is filled with things. <laughs> so, um, which is like, which is fine. Like she loves her things, but yeah, I would say what are the essentials that you actually need? And again, going back to decision fatigue, even when I have noticed, I actually noticed this um, during the COVID quarantine, somehow we allowed Charlotte there were just way too many things in her room. And when we finally, like, she had a hard time cleaning her room. I think that she was just like, where do I start? And it was, it was evident to me that she just had too much. And so we started pulling things out and now it's a lot easier for her. So the same goes with, like I said, getting dressed. Like when you have fewer things, it's much easier to organize those things, to get your laundry in like in order, um, with books, with everything that you slowly condense and minimize. I just feel like it makes it so much easier to stay organized, but yes, decluttering and organization, those are definitely two different things as is like the frugality that pushed me into minimalism frugality. You can still have a very cluttered home. It just, that was kind of the pathway that I chose to get to living with less. Yeah. My grandmother who bless her heart grew up during the great depression. So that kind of shaped her life. But when she passed away, when I was in high school, I mean, she was the most frugal person, but when she passed away, when I was in high school, the woman had, I mean, her house was full of stuff. And I think, you know, the time she grew up in shaped her for that, but we still talk about that to this day that she was as frugal as it gets, but she's still like, I don't know. She just grew up in this time where you, 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 you take the stuff cause you never know when it's going to go away or be taken from you. But she was definitely a product of her, you know, cultural upbringing, I think. Yeah. Which there are pros to that too. I love the idea of not just throwing something away because we don't like the way it looks like we are, we're not taking the time to see like, can this be fixed? Can this be mended? Um, so I definitely think that there were some great takeaways from that period of time. Um, but also to hold on to resources, I guess, if you will, to hold on to things that you might not necessarily need. Yeah. That just seems to, it seems to be unnecessary. So yeah. Yeah. Tell us some about the book. How did the book come about? You said this wasn't something that you sought out. So what happened? Yeah. So like I said, the podcast I'd been going at probably almost two years on my, on my own. And so it was last year, right before everything shut down, I, I guess this woman had reached out to me and she said, Hey, I listened to your podcast. And I feel like, have you ever considered writing a book? Um, I think this is a great topic. And I was kind of blown away because it was something that I actually had wanted to, I was like, wow, I might actually pursue book writing this year. That was one of my like kind of to do's let's, let's look into this. So I signed a contract at the very end of February last year with the due date of September 1st. And then the whole world went into shutdown. So I wrote it really between June when my husband was out of school and September 1st, but it's, it's called minimalist moms living and parenting with simplicity. And it is divided into three sections of on the podcast, I actually, I call them minimalist mantras. They're like three to four minute little, um, little sayings, but I, they're a little like antidotes, I guess, of the saying on the actual show. But in here, in my book, they're called areas of focus. So each one is separated by mindfulness, physical possessions. And then what is the other one? I want to say time, but it's those three sections with about 10 mantras with 
in those sections. And then there's three larger, actually there's four, we added another one. There's four larger sections that is sustainability, sentimental items, pregnancy and postpartum and what's, oh, holidays. So um, then I talk a little bit about my journey into minimalism, minimalism and motherhood, but I definitely would say it's not just for moms. There's absolutely material in there for anyone looking to declutter. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how that all came about. It was, I really wasn't expecting it. Like I said, I, it just was a cool opportunity that I definitely jumped on. My goal was just, like I said, to have a book with my own name on it, on my bookshelf at some point, because I'm such an avid reader. And so that was really the goal. And anything that really comes from this is just sprinkles on top of a good thing. So what was the writing process? Like you said, you did most of it while your husband was, you know, off of school. So that's great. It sounds like he was probably taking on more kid time so you could go write. What was like your process for it? Did you have set hours that you had to write every day? Tell us some about that. Um, gosh, it was, I talk about organizing and I'm like, it was so disorganized. Um, I definitely was not practicing what I preached during this period of time, just because like I said, he did have to take the kids every day. Um, and he also works during the summer, which made it just kind of madness. But yeah, I knew that by, I think it was June 1st. I was like, I need to hit 1200 words a day to hit my goal or else I'm not going to make it. So that was kind of my goal each day. It didn't matter if I did it while he was gone in kind of those morning hours or in the evening hours. So I really did try to work in the morning because I feel like you're more with it in the morning hours. But yeah, I really didn't have some amazing process. It was just like, get it in when you can. And I knew somewhat of the structure of how I wanted to structure it with those different sections. So it actually made it easier. And then the other thing is the other thing actually with anyone that would want to write a book, if you have Instagram and you're somewhat of a content creator, or even just writing a little bit more long form on your Instagram post, that was kind of a starting point for a lot of it. So I would have like a little paragraph here and there that I would just expand on. And so I don't feel like it was necessarily I don't want to say that it was hard, but I also don't want to say that it was easy. I just felt like I had the idea. So I was able to have that path to walk down. Um, It wasn't like there was no path at all that I was having to like dig as I was walking it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. Tell us when does it come out? I know I've seen you teasing uh, little snippets on your Instagram, but like when can the general public buy it and where can they buy it? Yeah. So I'm just looking at my little calendar here on my Mac. It's going to be released in 13 days. So just under two weeks and it is available for pre-order, I believe on Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble. And then my goodness, I can't remember the other place, but you can find it easily on my website or Amazon. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited for it to be out in the world. I don't know if it'll be in stores. It, I hope so. Cause that's my other thing. I'm like, I just want to go into a bookstore and see my name on the shelves. So. Yeah. Do you, I would love to know now that you've written one, would you like to write another one? Um, that seems very daunting. <laughs> I had the idea. <laughs> I feel like I want to share my idea with you guys because I feel like it's so crazy. Um, but also this is, we're trademarking this idea here. This is going to stand as our trademark. So I had the idea of writing a children's book with this little girl and she has so much stuff that her stuff like starts attacking her. And so she has to start decluttering, (laughs) but that's kind of creepy too. So, but I was like, how could I write a children's book for decluttering and minimalism? So to be continued. 
that was one of my that's a great idea honestly that's in the same vein and that's a I love that you have yeah but (laughs) I feel like that's like the anti-toy story like you're it's like kid's house like your toys are not happy that they're all here (laughs) maybe they're not happy because they're not being like played with or treated well or like you know I don't know Yeah, they want to be played with. They're on the shelf. And so they're trying to like escape. Yeah. So I'm 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 fine-tuning this idea, but that was the only thing I really came up with at this point. I just feel like again, I don't feel like there's anything like my book on the market right now because of the way that it's segmented and because it's more like anecdotal on my life and the wisdom as opposed to like this is decluttering your home. I think that I that book has been written. So I would have a hard time putting my name on something that I feel like has already been done before. That would be, that's kind of what is left up in the air right now. So yeah. Makes sense. Tell everyone where they can find you, where you want to be found. Tell us about the podcast and social stuff. Yes. So on Instagram, it is at minimalist moms podcast. I am at Diane underscore Bowden. Um, and then the podcast can be found on iTunes and that's just Minimalist Moms Podcast. And then it's minimalistmomspodcast.com. So pretty easy and straightforward. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us, Di. I appreciate all your wisdom. It, it was great chatting with you. Yeah, this was really fun. It was fun to have just like a carefree conversation. I feel like I haven't done this yet. So I appreciate you having me. That was host of the Minimalist Moms Podcast and author, Diane Bowden. If you are enjoying the show, first of all, thank you so much for coming back. I truly appreciate each and every one of you that take the time to listen to these episodes. It would mean the world to me if you went to Apple Podcasts and left us a five-star rating and wrote a review for the show. That is so helpful to what we're trying to build here in the community that we're cultivating. Just gives us feedback and honestly, it helps the show be found by more and more people. When we get more reviews, it shows iTunes and those other platforms that we have good content and then they want to show it to more people, which just makes the audience better and bigger and it helps me to get more awesome people on the show. So if you could take just 30 seconds and write a review, that would mean the absolute world to me. If you want to hang out with me on a daily basis, you can find me on Instagram. I am at Candidly Speaking Podcast and at Carrie.Gillespie. Again, thank you so much for being here today, you guys. I hope it is springing wherever you are and the flowers are popping and the birds are chirping. We all deserve a little sunshine right now. So I hope that is happening for you. I will see you again on Friday for a fresh episode of Pop Culture. In the meantime, have a great week and I'll see you next time.